0: Hey guys, I'm Sy, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Andy Campbell Football Show. This is episode number seventy. Show is available live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, Stroke Periscope, as well as uh, you can find the audio versions probably later tonight or tomorrow morning on your favourite podcast and radio platform. Everywhere it can be found, uh, we. Ace Podcast Nation, also home to many great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts and more. Give us a follow on social media and uh, most importantly subscribe to the YouTube channel. That is the most direct way to support the channel and the show and you can also follow the show directly at at ACFootyShow and that's on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. So um, just as we wait for the chat to fill up, I've got to... Say a big thank you to Black Diamond Sports, which is Black Diamond Sports, is a global sports agency representing mm-hmm. sports stars from around the world. For more information, you can visit their social media pages as well as their brand new spanking website, which is beautiful. And uh, you can find the links to that in the description below, as well as the closing credits at the end of the show. And um, also, massive thank you to Darren Ralston and the Bespoke Financial for sponsoring the show. We uh, are very grateful for their support and their help, and uh, here's a quick word from them also.
2: My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my Auntie Louise told mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch, and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if mummy or daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us, and our house would be paid for so we wouldn't get taken away. After an hour Darren said goodbye and mummy and daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner.
0: Yeah, we thank Bespoke Financial for sponsoring the show. Bespoke Financial specialise in life insurance, critical illness, income protection, mortgages and sports cover. And uh, I urge you all to check them out. They do some great stuff and uh, including doing some services for the first person I'm going to introduce who is my usual co-host, the Goal collector, the fox in the box, still the, cap- uh, the captain, the king, the Millennium Stadium. The speed demon, Davy Jones' favourite son. The goal machine, Middlesbrough over four minutes, fresh off his <laughs> at the weekend. It is none other than Mr Andy Campbell. Welcome, my friend. Good evening, mate. Uh Really, really looking forward to this. Um,
1: I'm, I'm sure I've just caught a link as well, because uh, I'm sure Darren, I'm sure Darren Rousson played for Darlington, uh, if my uh, memory serves me right. Uh, yeah, I think James that, might be in there tell me that, I'm sure. Back, yeah, I'm sure he did, yeah. Um, no, really looking forward to it. Um, great to have a current player um, on the show. Uh, that's something that we've that we've worked hard on, so haven't we? You know, that trying yeah, to get these current uh, current footballers on, and and this one um, more than most because of um, what's going to happen, as I say, in the near future um, with next season also, uh, etc. So, but we'll obviously get into that. But no, we really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a good one, mate. Today. So tonight's guest started his professional career at Darlington before playing for Newcastle, Hartlepool, Exeter, Forest and of course a legendary stint spanning so far over 650 appearances and 62 goals for Doncaster Rovers. It is none other than Mr. James Coppinger. Welcome James, how are you mate? Yeah, good to so are you? I'm alright mate, uh, really looking forward to this. Yeah, show,
1: to great, great to have you on, Good to have you on James. Um one question I'll start with: um, Have you worked out how many games that you could get this season before you, before whatever happens next season?
3: Um, I think, I think.
1: I'll... Have you got? Have
3: you got a target? Yeah, I, I'm on seven hundred and something, so I want to get to over eight hundred career games. I want to get over a hundred career goals. I think I'm on ninety three career goals. Um, ah, so it'd, you be nice
1: by, to... you by <laughs> it'd be nice to you'd have that by Christmas.
3: It'd be nice to finish. It'd be nice to finish over eight hundred and over. Uh, Hundred goals. I should have had more goals, but um
1: yeah, it'd be nice to get over a hundred. Talking about goal side, James. Um I I urge everybody, everyone who watches now, you know what I mean, if you've got another device, because uh, I don't want you switching off, um, go on and see James's goal against Man United under twenty threes. It was an absolute corker. Uh, it, it was just it was just picturesque. You know, obviously the there must have been there must have been a half decent side, I'm guessing as well, cops.
3: Yeah, they I think they played Huddersfield the week before. Um and they drew 3 all. I know, obviously, Quinton Fortune played at Doncaster, so I spoke to him before the game and they have they have high hopes for a lot of their players. I think they signed one of their lads for, for 8 million um, from a French side and, like you say, if you're playing for Man United 23s, you're going to be a, a good player. Um, but we played really well, sort of two different teams, two separate halves, uh, 3-0 and 2-0. Um, and, yeah, we sort of um, it was the first sort of dry run COVID at, at the Keepmoat, which was interesting as well.
1: Yeah, good, good. Um, oh, so wow. you're uh, obviously been a been a Man
0: United fan. You're not going to be happy with James, are you? <laughs> 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 I do know where you get this rubbish from you listening to the people, the same people who surely said, not, you, you ate Leeds and I
2: you know. And
0: I ate Liverpool I admit it, I'm openly I admit though, I, I'm, I'm I, I, though, I do hate Leeds I, I, I don't I'm hate I don't know what you're on about <laughs> <laughs> but um, straight away just before we go into the Magnificent Seven uh, Gaz says uh, Cops the legend, he said I always wanted him at West Ham, so have you ever come close to signing for West Ham or is that just a pipe dream for Gaz
3: my father-in-law is a West Ham fan, actually, um, and I scored at West Ham when we played them down there. Um, we drew one all but I've never, never, ever, ever been close to signing for any London
1: club, unfortunately. No,
0: no, like Gazz, <laughs> sure, yeah, straight
1: down, straight back at you, guys. Uh, Basically, yeah, he Basically, he didn't want to. Basically, he didn't want to, guys. He would
0: have,
1: but <laughs> yeah. Stay up north. <laughs> I prefer to stay up north. Uh, weather's better.
0: Yeah. He he hates West Ham, like Andy hates Leeds. (laughs) (laughs) So um okay, so we'll start off with the Magnificent Seven. Magnificent Seven, seven quick fire questions just to get to know you, James, get to know your tastes. Okay. James Coppinger, the Magnificent Seven. Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. Doncaster 100%. or Exeter? <laughs> it's got to be Doncaster. <laughs>
2: Do
1: you know what though? A part of me wishes just, 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 just a part of me, a part, a part of me wishes it, you said Exeter. I don't know why. <laughs> I just... <laughs> <a> troublemaker. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I think, I think that's the mischievous part of me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, favorite TV show?
1: Um,
3: right now I'd say "Would I Lie to You" with Lee Mack and Rob Brydon. Absolutely love it. Um, I oh, Just no. this was
0: very point. different what we've yeah. had,
1: love it, yeah, love that yeah.
3: question. New, different, different every time. Uh, angriest teammate um, Andy Griffin, a few.
1: must have been a few. Andy, oh, Andy, Gri- Grif- Andy Griffin,
3: oh my god, seen, uh, yeah, I seen yeah, have a fight with Lauren Robert at the training ground. Two. Um, the angriest man you'll ever come across, but one of the nicest men off the pitch. Um, yeah. but always loved the tackle.
1: Did he? Did he came from Stoke City, Cops, didn't he? Is that the same lad? He signed from. Yeah, City he's from. City
3: from Cops, he's from Stoke. Stoke. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he, yeah. ironically, he played for Doncaster as well. When we, when we won the league, he was at. He was part of that squad as well. Um, cool. Great lad. Great lad. Yeah. Top lad. Uh,
0: best roommate.
3: Um, Billy Sharp. I'd have to go for um, the most sort of energetic. He'd be. He'd be up in the morning doing diving headers across his bed. <laughs> um, absolutely loved it. Um, so yeah Billy Sharp most entertaining I'd say
1: top player as well cops 20 top top player still is yeah he's still way.
3: doing it isn't he? I, I've not come across mm-hmm. anybody but probably Alan Shearer on the same sort of loves scoring a goal just lives for scoring yeah. a goal lives for that feeling of scoring a goal um, like mm-hmm. I said in the morning sort of diving headers running around in the morning just couldn't wait to get on the pitch
0: he <laughs> so still you does know, yeah. you know what Colin yeah, he's going to say he's still doing it. Um, you mentioned uh, Alan Shearer there, so the next question is: uh, Alan Shearer or Wayne Rooney?
3: Um, I'd have to go for Alan Shearer to be honest. Uh, just trying to double cause, You're
1: trying to trouble <laughs> cause,
3: yeah. <laughs> just as a Northern lad, sort of played with him, um, all time Premier League top scorer. Um, yeah, just absolute legend, Newcastle legend.
0: Can't dispute that, and, and, and I'm final... not a big, I'm not a
3: big fan of Manchester United either.
0: So <laughs> I remember that. No, sorry, sir. Uh, so uh, there we go, and then the final question: the greatest Englishman who's ever lived. Wow, have to be football related, um,
2: Just
1: an unbelievable
0: question, Cops. An unbelievable question.
3: I'll have to say Winston Churchill. Um, oh, there we go. There we go nothing gets better than than winning a war is this so, or
1: um yeah do you know what that's the first ever time we've ever, we've had that answer as well so it's uh, it's, it's a good <laughs> no answer way. It's one, it's one, no i promise you i promise <laughs> you we haven't uh, we haven't always, always had english people on by the way because the question is linked to the person of the country so we've had scottish people welsh people uh, people right. from other different countries so but the english people you're the first person englishman who's... Uh, what who's what up. does no? what do people normally say what have you had just people who's, who's uh, well, we, we've we've yeah, had we've had we've we had John sportsmen, Leeds, we've had John Joe Charles, Jacobson. yeah, we've had uh, yeah, footballers, sports people, Moore, just people who, yeah, just idols yeah. really. I'd say more idols than anything. Which the the thing is, is it's when everyone people, to their own, isn't it?
0: When you're on yeah. the spot as well, it's like it's such hard, isn't a broad it? question that yeah, yeah, a lot of people just revert to football. And what they know, yeah. But yeah, I like it. I like no, it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, welcome to all the Doncaster fans, by the way, in the chats on the various platforms. Good, good to have you here. Um, So what we do next is we have any other business where we talk a couple of stories from around the world, which are not necessarily related to our guest. Uh, Before we do that, just I just want to say a little shout out to to the people of Cefnili, which is just around the corner from me, who has been announced in the last sort of half hour or not or so that they're going into full lockdown again, unfortunately. So uh, much love to them. i got a lot of family and friends, and I know there's a, a lot nice of bless. viewers there as well. Yeah, nice plus. It is, uh, but there's loads of content on Ace Podcast Nation, which you can watch while you're at home. No shame. Um, okay, <laughs> any other business? Um, first and foremost, we're going to have to talk about uh, the breaking news today that uh, youngsters, I suppose, but they're still grown men, uh, Fod- uh, Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood of the two Manchester clubs have been sent home from England duty, I think you say, for yep. breaking the bubble. Uh, going to meet some Icelandic girls, which they met on Snapchat, from what I can gather. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin <laughs> with this, so I'm going no. to throw it to you two experts first, and then I'll throw my two cents in after. Andy, you go.
1: Um, listen, I'm, I'm going to start with. Um... Being a footballer, first and foremost, is the best job and the most privileged job in the world. So, for to jeopardise that and to jeopardise your reputation is one thing. To do it to do it as a as an Englishman away with your country for me yeah, is going to is. another level. Is absolutely ridiculous behaviour and it's inexcusable for me. You've got um, a lad at Man United, Greenwood, who's been brought up. Um, a la Sir Alex Ferguson and with all the role models and with all the players um, Ryan Giggs etc David Beckham he's seen all those coming through they've never ever done a, um, a, d- done something of this magnitude or any kind of uh, any kind of this in this serious manner um, and, and Phil, Phil, Phil Forden um, he's probably got the most dynamic young manager in the world um, in Guardiola and I, I just feel as though and I would feel as though that they've massively let me down you know that that um, It'll take probably pres- good pressure off um, someone like Harry Maguire, by the way, because um, <laughs> Harry was- Harry's probably sat at home right now thinking, oh, I they've took it. the pressure off me a little bit. However, I-, I think they've just let the whole country down. They've certainly let themselves and the family down. And um, I- listen, I-, I look at the figures as well. Both players were fined £1,360. That on its own is a, a ridiculous it's statement because it's absolutely effective. ridiculous.
0: Is that going to stop and do it again? No, it's not. Some of those protesters um, in the last couple of weeks in London... Got find ten grand, mm. but you're telling me like, look, I don't want to make it about money no. because it's not about that. But I think Mason Greenwood is on fifteen grand a week or something. Phil Phil is on mean, more than that.
1: It doesn't matter for me, sir. If, if they were on five hundred pounds a week, I would fine them twenty times that to stop them doing it again. There's got to be a deterrent, and what's a deterrent? You know what I mean? Well, the deterrent now is going to be um, not playing for the next couple of weeks. But uh, let's see, let's see. Yeah, James, what's, what's, what you your, what's,
3: your, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, you know? I'm with you. I think COVID aside, I think um, it's a fantastic opportunity for both players. I just can't believe in this day and age they're still people are still doing that. Um, you know, they've, they've got a huge responsibility and to sort of go and do what they've done. I think what the clubs have come out and said and how they'll be punished will um, probably put them off from doing it again. You know, probably the way the public will make them feel. Um, and it uh, and it, they are young and they have got everything thrown at them and they will learn from it um, but it is a silly mistake to make I think in this day and age I think there's so many people that could have advised them or should be advising them um, mm. almost preventing them from doing this, uh, I, on, I, I, can't, on, I generally on, can't believe it's happened to be honest
1: On, the, on that one Cops, because I, I hope you don't mind me putting you in, in, in a similar category to myself uh, as in an age category um, that Football's evolved, hasn't it? You know, that um, back in the day and I'm and I'm on about what when I made my debut ninety six, um, which was a hell of a long time ago, that football was so different. There was a drinking culture, there was a, a party culture, there was a socialising culture. And football now, you know, what I mean you've you've been you've you've seen it evolve massively playing within and, and, and over the over the over the centuries and um, how different is it then now than than it was back then? I
3: think it's massive. I had this conversation with my dad today, actually, um, just about that, about how it's changed. So sort of, we used to go out on a Tuesday night. Um, and very rarely will any of the lads, um, there might be one or two, but it used to be sort of 50, 60% of the lads would go out. Yeah. Um, and like I said previous, that I've been on away trips where people have been told not to go out and they've gone out and... They've, they've lost their jobs they've been sacked and it used to happen all the time and that's what I'm saying in this day and age it really really surprises me that they've almost got to that this has happened especially away with with a country representing your country it just doesn't for me it doesn't make sense um I don't know whether there's more more to it or I think there's always more to it but
1: um you, you mentioned there though cops about 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 when uh, you knew a couple of lads who got the sack do you think now though clubs are scared to do that because Greenwood would go and walk into any team in the Premier League would demand yeah. X amount of money. That just and Foden would go in any probably any side in the world at the minute the way that he's playing technically. That
3: the Klux big boys of Europe would
0: snap both of them. Yeah, Klux Klux yeah, them.
3: I th- yeah, I think it's a total different the level that 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 we were playing at at the time. Um, it's a total different ball game. I think you're right. I think there's too much.
0: It shouldn't matter though, should it? It should. It should.
3: It shouldn't, but it does, and it always does. Um I agree. Especially at that level, um, but yeah, I think I think it's disappointing from from both clubs' perspectives the um, the sort of the responsibility they have as young players. But again, they'll bounce back from it. They'll learn from it, hopefully. Um, and within sort of three four weeks, there'll be there'll be sort of some other news headline.
1: So, you mentioned there though, Cops, You mentioned okay. um, sorry, you mentioned uh, about uh, people like other other people, role models and things who probably could have stopped them. Yes, the players shouldn't have done it, but will will players beat themselves up a little bit that they weren't aware, or if they were aware, they didn't stop it. Um, and I'm probably talking my... Harry Kane's. Yeah, and I was gonna, that was my question. The, 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 sure. the kind of the kind of elder. Is it the captain's yeah.
0: responsibility to manage the players like away from the manager? If you get what I mean,
1: it's hard. It's
3: hard to comment without knowing the individuals and the characters that are in that dressing room. And but there, there will be characters that obviously, I imagine will have will have sort of... And then again, you don't know whether they've gone behind the players' backs and whether nobody knew about it, so it's hard to comment. But you always feel like, as an older statesman, especially myself, um, in sort of my club, it's like you try and help the younger lads to an extent. But at the same time, you can't hold the hands all the time. Um, mm. They've got to sort of learn for themselves. But it's not so much the players, it's... I just don't, I just don't know how this has come about. Um, obviously, I don't know too much about it, but it just it's, again, it still amazes me that that, that goes on.
1: I think so, the um, biggest thing for me, Sai, is 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 it? It wasn't, um, Grealish. That 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 was the biggest surprise of the day, <laughs> you Not know I me mean, for me. That I, I just when it said England players in a in a in a scandal, you
0: assumed it was going to
1: be him. Oh, of course it did. I think every every single football fan in the world probably thought it was going to be him. So I'm gonna just
0: look at it from a, slight, or a little slightly different angle so i don't want to repeat the same stuff obviously i agree with everything which you both kind of just said um so a couple of things man city's statement was fantastic but it was also hilarious you could you know that when he gets back he is getting the dressing down of a lifetime from whether it's guardiola or the chief executive whoever it may be it was uh very sternly written man united's was a little bit more kind of general but um you know, they deserve it. Um, the other thing I was going to ask you both, really, is if Harry Maguire... If you take out what happened with Harry Maguire, if Harry Maguire is there as Manchester United captain, someone who's obviously worked closely with Mason Greenwood, and they've both said in interviews that he's uh, Maguire's been advising him and, you know, helping him as he's broken into the first team and dealing with the pressure... Do you think that makes a difference that if Harry Maguire is there, to where the Mason Greenwood makes that decision to sneak out of the hotel?
1: I'll I'll jump on back to what Copsy just said there that 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 uh, yes, players if they were aware they're out of order, but I believe and and I don't I don't know the ins and outs like Copsy just said that I think that this was done behind people's backs and it was done very sneakily and it was just those two people. And they've let themselves down, but they've let the rest of the group down as well because if other people were aware of it and they haven't stopped them, I, they're just as bad as the two who've gone out. Mm. So, you know what I mean? For me, I, I can't imagine that anyone else knows because that would come out as well. Yeah. Because, you know yeah. what I mean? Because other people would be involved in it. It's Danny impossible. Murph,
0: Danny Murphy said on Talk Sport that when he was on England duty uh, and they used to sneak out, they would basically give the doorman... Uh, I don't know how to put it. Like, oh, basically, give them a wad of cash to sneak yeah. them out the back door, or you know, sneak them out basically, so Ooh. they didn't get seen. Like um, to me, in the kind of bio-dome bubbly type things which they're creating for these sporting events and and international duty and stuff, it boggles my mind how two players were able to sneak out. I because there's so many. I would imagine there is so many uh steps to them going from their hotel room to getting out and about because for instance very quickly the guy like danny obviously who does the mma show has been to dubai with the ufc they're not allowed out of their rooms they've got to stay in their rooms for seven days they have everything brought to them blah blah, blah. you can have whatever you want that you're very well looked after if they wanted to sneak out when they're not supposed to they would have to do you know what I mean? There's a lot of steps to doing it. Yeah. It's not just a case of kind of looking outside your room, looking to see if there's anyone in the corridor and then walking out to the hotel. There's a lot of different personnel along the way. So, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Um, so moving on from that, but kind of still on the same subject. Um, and this one has irritated me, i got to be honest. Uh, the Czech Republic are being forced to play Scotland um, despite, I think only i think two players and a member of staff have been tested positive i think it was but that has meant that a large number of the initial you know the the original coaching staff and players have all had to go into quarantine but the fifa or uefa have told them they have to play so they've had to bring in a whole set of different backroom staff and a whole different squad now is the nations league that important that we need to do that because I would imagine all these new people they brought in they haven't been in a bubble which yeah. is kind of the whole point I thought um, Andy what do you make of that mate because I find that a bit confusing and a bit irritating well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm
2: a
1: big follower um, of uh, the U- USA football uh, MLS and Nashville uh, had a similar issue so Nashville had uh, a lot of players who um, who contracted Covid um, and they got they didn't get kicked out of the MLS, but they were taken out of the MLS because yep. of health reasons, and, and they weren't going to affect any other team, which is which is the right thing to do. So they were taken out of it, um, and they 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 played their games, friendly games at the end of the season, so they didn't miss out, but they weren't involved in the um, in the in, in the chance to win uh, the playoffs and stuff. And that's in a major league, so this is a friendly. It's a friendly tournament. You know, well, apparently it's a friendly tournament. It's not a World Cup. It doesn't go anywhere for, for any other any other things. And for me, I think the bigger picture is. Um, I think we're missing the bigger picture. The bigger picture is health, um, and the health issue is just for me. It's getting forgotten about. Yes. Um, and at the same time, I, I just uh, I'm I'm baffled by it all because what's important? It's 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 a game. Even if it's a World Cup qualifier just play it on another day just just play it in another six months it doesn't matter you know what I mean they, 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 we're not we're not chasing football we're just starting the season I, I, cops will know what well I don't I don't you know the story but there was a local league here uh, and um I don't know if you heard the story I won't name the team because i I, I don't want obviously get any of the players in, in trouble but there was a, it was a semi professional league in here and one of the teams uh two of the players contracted covid and um, so they weren't playing on Saturday. Um, and the league said that was fine but I thought it was 14 days that you had to um, that you had to st- obviously self-isolate they've been told they have to play on Tuesday they haven't got a big squad so the players have to play have to play again so I, I just don't I just don't understand it for me you know what I mean you're making you're forcing people play, to play and force them into, an, into a position that they don't want to be in so for me it's, they're making the mockery of the whole thing
0: Yeah I think so I think it's just kind of I don't think the Nations League is so important that we need to kind of
1: no league's important, that that. No, that. no, no shows,
0: at the end of the day, it's, it's, when it comes down to it, it's not the most important thing in the world. Um, very quickly, before I get James's take on that, I just wanted to also say, the other aspect to the Greenwood and Foden thing is, because they broke the bubble, they lose the exemption which elite athletes get, where they don't have to isolate when they come back into the uh, country. So they've got to isolate for 14 days now. Now, I don't know offhand what the date is of the first club game, but I'd imagine it's quite close to that. Twelve. So, they, to 12. so they're going to miss. Well, there you go. They missed the first game then because they've got to isolate, which mm. you know, brings another aspect to it, doesn't it? Because yes. I can't imagine Guardiola and Solskjaer will be very happy with that. Um, okay. Uh, James, what do you make of the Czech Republic situation and uh, Scotland, etc.? I, I just think
3: you'd think common sense will prevail. You know, like Andy said, it just seems ridiculous that with the uncertainty, everything, everything that's going on, um, that the sort of, the health risks come last um, and everything mm. else put, gets put in front of it. it's just, It just amazes me. Um, I just, I, I think because people don't know what to do for the best, um, I think you'd always sort of, again, put people's health and safety at the forefront of everything. Um, nothing is more important than, than people's well-being, so it just again, I can't understand why or who makes them sort of decisions.
1: It doesn't make sense to me, cops. As well, outside that, we that, um, we we we've all the whole world's self-isolated. You know what I mean? We haven't done anything for months and months and months. Football's been cancelled for months and months and months. So why now is it that important that it's got to? has got to take over life. You know, that, but and it, it almost, it, but it
3: almost feels like there's there's different rules for different people and different sort of organisations and. Mm. Um, and, and I do get that it's something, sort of an unprecedented situation and nobody really knows what to do and it's almost like different people are saying to do different things. Um, but there needs to be, I, I think, there needs to be
1: some common sense when things like that happen. Don't get us started about organisations. <laughs> Don't get us started <laughs> about organisations. You ain't for
0: common sense. No, well, I'm, 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 uh...
1: I'm on about an organisation which is close to two to, uh, to cops' um, heart. Well, not heart, but probably club that obviously... And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you the question. I, I don't expect a, a brutally honest answer, but I'd like your, your take on it. So obviously, the season finished, not in the right manner, in my, in my opinion, for your club and a lot of other clubs uh, in, the, in your league and the league below and the league below that. Um, but did you, did it end fairly for you and for your
3: team? Um, I think, I think again, like when things happen, like what's happened, a one-off, um, again, something that nobody expected. It's so difficult to sort of put it into perspective and it, no, you're never going to please everybody. Um, the likes of Sunderland, the likes of Peterborough in our league that missed out, that were in there. Wickham went into third and then end up getting promoted. Um, we, I think we were three, four points off with the game in hand. Um, I think it's a matter of just sort of sucking and see you, you, you are where you are and we've just got to go again this season. But um, it was frustrating. And I think the uncertainty was the hardest part, you know, sitting at home not knowing what was happening, sort of four or five weeks down the line, still not knowing what was happening, and trying to, on um, being able to tick over, getting sent programs, you couldn't go out the house, um, you had to do it by yourself. It was, it was really really uncertain times, but it's good just to be back
1: in the building, to be honest. Mm-hmm. That, that, that and, and that's obviously fantastic to get to get that kind of insight because obviously we've had your Jacobson on last week, so obviously ended up playing some games and uh, and competitive games and and they were in the training ground to obviously work on certain things before they played Fleetwood in the semi-final but obviously with yourselves that you were training keeping yourself at peak fitness for long periods of time and then all of a sudden just to be told that that's it we don't need to train anymore we'll see you in three, four or five weeks which must have been a a nightmare.
3: Yeah and I think especially with being 39 coming to the end of your contract um, although I've been there 16 years the uncertainty of the club losing money. The club being in a situation where they've had to get rid of one and two staff. Uh, we've lost a fitness coach. We've lost a physio. We've lost two members of staff. There's been redundancies made at the ground. It's been it's been horrendous for everybody. Um, so, for me personally, sat at home, I'm sort of dealing with um, working with the club in in dealing with sort of 15% paid, pay deductions from all the lads. So I have to make calls with all the lads. Um, it, it was really, really difficult. But at the same time, the club handled it really well. The lads handled it really well. And everyone associated with Doncaster Rovers, is it's almost like we're starting to sort of um, come back, a little bit back to normality. Um, and the season starts, obviously, on Saturday, which I think everybody sort of can't wait for.
0: Yeah. Um, and I know you wanted to just quickly touch on the... Um... The international games in pre-season. So go on, you give your uh, your view on that very quickly, mate, and then we'll move into into okay. James. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm not am not a big fan of uh, of the timing of these games.
1: You know, I I know they are put in a diary and they've and they've got to they've got to happen because to put these com- competitive games in place. But for me, they're, they're still friendly games. Do they need to happen the week before the start of the season? No, and I think players are voting with the well with the feet and not playing and then still turning out for the clubs. Which makes a mockery of it for me, you know that there's nothing better um, to play for your country. However, I fully understand that the players who see which is more important—a friendly, Nations League, or, or, Premier, your, league, or Premier league, or your Premier League—you know you've got a season starting in what less than a week, okay. and you know I mean you can't afford to. Uh, you know I mean I, I look at the I look at the I look at I, look at, I, I watched uh, Ryan Giggs' interview the other day, and um, he said that he was going to make all these changes and rest rest players, but he sees it as a big thing because obviously the. Um, the FIFA rankings are based on 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 a big things, and Wales need to get in a better FIFA ranking to get better to get uh, easier qualifying stage. So he's got to play his best team. But if you're a Cardiff City manager and you've just signed Kiefer Moore, you don't want him playing that that, that many kind of games before yeah. he's starting the season on Saturday. You know, you know he's a big player, signed for a lot of money. Same with Matthew James. Same with Gareth Bale. You know, what I mean, he's not, he's not played hardly any football. If he gets injured, any kind of move he's going to be scuppered. So I just find it a little bit. Um, a pointless, really. That mm. um, that that, that putting this time in this this time of the season because I want to watch Wills, for example, and I want to see Gareth, Blair, but Gareth Bale play a full game. I don't want to see him play forty five minutes and then come off because he's not fit enough. I want to see him play ninety minutes because he's the best player on the pitch. Because yeah. he is. So.
0: What did you uh, What did you think of Nico Williams? A few people have mentioned him. Ah, uh,
1: I, I thought he, I thought he should have scored in the first game. I'll be honest. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I watched both games. I thought he, I thought he had a I thought he had a very good game in the first game. He was he was unlucky not to score, but I think he should have scored. Um, I thought the second game um, I thought was a bit of a uh, a bit of a quieter affair. I, I, you could tell he played the game a few days before, uh, mm-hmm. but I was so pleased when he scored and. You can tell by people's celebrations how much it means to people, and you know what I mean. That's just the first of many because he's a very talented footballer.
0: Going to be a superstar. Um,
1: But on that though, he needs to play. You know what I mean. So there's no point in Cardiff. He needs to play regular (laughs) football, and and, you know what I mean. And 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 cops will back me up. You know what I mean. You get lads at a certain age, and he's at an age now. He's got the experience of playing a few games for Liverpool. He won the championship, he's won the Premier League. He's playing for his country, but he needs to play regular now. He needs to go and play 30, 40 games somewhere. If that's for Liverpool, great, but doubtful. He needs to go and play at the highest level he can.
0: Well, Cardiff signed a fullback on loan from Liverpool today. And I kind of couldn't help but wonder... I don't know. Maybe I'm just being wishful thinking. But I would like to see Nico Williams down on loan with Cardiff. But uh, do you know much about Nico Williams, James? No, i just seen
3: him play last season, uh, briefly. And he looked really, really good, obviously, a special talent and you're right, I think he does need to play. I think he he sort of it wouldn't surprise me if he got a move to a, a lower sort of champion uh premiership team to be honest. Um yeah. and played regular there and yeah, I, I think he looks he looks really exciting and, and like you say, Ryan Giggs spoke highly of him yesterday, which um
1: he doesn't he doesn't do um if he doesn't think that the player's got an opportunity or a chance. I think that's key though, Sai. I think he does need to go and play at the level which the club want him to, to to platform, you know, and for me it's the Premier League because he's he's gonna be going in the Premier League in the next yeah. one, two, three seasons, so he needs to get used to that Premier League environment, the way the games are. You know what I mean? The, the midweek cup is, for
0: example. Though, mate, you know I what I mean? There's there's do players a lot of good, like you look at Lingard and at the right club though Yeah At the right yeah. club And Cardiff is that right club mate Let's be. <laughs> <laughs> love it Love it. <laughs> we don't, it, it It's a good thing about this show though We're not biased And at least <laughs> right, <aren't we? laughs> yeah. just, just because it's the, Just because That's the right answer Doesn't make it a biased answer No I was
1: going to say Middlesbrough But And then I no. thought twice about
0: him That'd be <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright I'm done with the rest of football So So uh, before we kind of touch on your career, James, I would like to know what is your earliest football memory, whether it be playing, watching, just the first time that you caught the football bug? Yeah,
3: I think Ayrson <clears throat> um, Park in 1988, I've got um, a programme against Leicester and a picture with my dad um, at Ayrson Park. I obviously can't remember that, but um, that was sort of my, my earliest memory. And... Then the 1990 World Cup, Italian '90, was absolutely. It got me hook, line, and sinker. Um, I remember watching it with my dad, and obviously when Gaza got booked, like crying. Um, I want, <laughs> I wanted Germany to win because Gaza couldn't play in the final.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, so I was absolutely devastated. And Stuart Pierce, people like that, Bobby Robson. Ironically, I, I obviously. Worked with both of them um, at Newcastle, but just, just it, just I, I fell in love with football. I had the the England kit, um, and I always go back to that the the Pavarotti song, Ness and Dorma, yeah. Um Gets I've got goosebumps talking about it. It gets me. Um, so you, yeah, that that. So what would I be? Nine years old. So nine years old, I fell in love with football in thirty years. 30 years on I'm still still playing professional well, football as we, uh, which...
0: as we discovered just before we went live James me and you are the same age exactly so if you look at these two pictures uh, you know me and, me, me and James are the youth of the side Ridic- and, uh, Rid- ridiculous you look like his dad you look like his dad and he's the grandfather <laughs> one,
1: one of one of is. I'm not going to I'm not going to name names but one of us one of his has had a really really bad paper on yeah. Yeah, I, like, okay. I did
3: have a tough paper pram <laughs> to be fair. Yeah
0: only only because yours was uphill though, cops. It was Hilly and Gisborough, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that was his mate. That's what happens. Who <laughs> was who uh, was your idol growing up,
3: James? Um I had a few to be like to be honest. I think growing up, um Gaza in Italian ninety, the way he played, the way he sort of just excited people. Um, I always had an eye for players like that. Um, but again, Stan Collymore, I used to watch Forest as a kid. Um, Brian Clough and Desi Clough was a friend of my granddad's from from Middlesbrough. Um, so I always used to watch Nottingham Forest growing up. Um, not, I wouldn't say supported them, but I loved watching them, the way they played. Uh, Stuart pearce Ian War, Mark Crossley, Brian Roy. Um, yeah, I had some unbelievable players. Um, but Stan Collymore... And then Janino, so I became a season ticket holder at Middlesbrough in when this when the Riverside opened. I went to that first game, and then was a season ticket holder in the South Stand. And Janino just absolutely changed my my outlook on football. He was a similar sort of player, similar sort of diminutive, small stature, and he just took it to a different level. He was he was unbelievable. He was worth the entrance fee alone just to watch him. And obviously Andy played with him, and and he, he was mesmerising at times. I just every time I went and watched him, I just looked forward to going to see
1: him. Did you take inspiration in Cops that um, that someone could be that good and not be um, not be phased by anything that football threw at him with the size that he was?
3: Hundred percent. I think I always looked at size because I would always I got rejected from a few football clubs for being too small. Um, so I would always look and think. Every time I went to watch Middlesbrough play, I always looked and thought I could do that. I never looked and was in awe of them. I always thought, I, I, I think I can do that. And he was one of the reasons why. He sort of inspired me, sat there thinking, you know what? He inspired me to want to do it. Um, I used to go down the park in Gisborough, everywhere I went, I took a ball. Um, and I was always wanted to be Giannino. Like I always wanted, you know, I had sort of an imaginative... Um, I don't know, he, he just... He was the first time ever I'd ever seen somebody like that who had that sort of ability to go past people.
1: Um, I, don't think, I, think, I, don't, I, I don't think as a Middlesbrough fan though that we were ever we were ever given the opportunity to idolise someone of that kind of stature. Um, you know what I mean? That we've all got our heroes from watching at Essen Park and at the Riverside and stuff. But when when that rumor that he was going to come and I'd seen him. Um, in the it was at some some tournament at the at Wembley wasn't it when he scored a free kicker against England for Brazil when Brian Robson was assistant manager at the Terry Venables and and listen like you say i i, I saw what he could do in training and I, and I was like he's doing this against 6 foot 4 15 16 stone players he doesn't he's not scared he's not intimidated he's he's got he's just got natural ability he's aggressive he's fast he's 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 he's, 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 he's agile he had the lot and 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 i've said this loads of times that the words of world's best players get sprung left, right and centre, you know, that, that he's, that he's world-class. He, no, he was world-class and he could have gone it into any 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 top side, the Barcelonas, the Real Madrids, the Inter Milan, the AC lands of old. Uh, and, and not looked out of place because he was that good. But Middlesbrough got him yeah. somehow, not really sure how. I know, I know, it was unbelievable. And I think what got me
3: with him is he just bounced up. You know, he was small, but whenever he went past somebody and got brought down, he straight back up. Very much like Messi does now, you know, it doesn't make the meal of it. Um, he had a great character about him. I think that everybody at Middlesbrough warmed to and sort of um, could relate to, and I think that's why he was so popular as well—not just what he did on the pitch, but what he what he was like off the pitch. Um, so he was definitely my 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 biggest hero growing up, and he probably had the biggest effect on me as a player as well.
1: Mm. well one one iconic picture from Genini what always sticks with me. Um, is he's not phased by anybody. There's a picture with him and Philip Albert, where I think yeah, he, was that, that. Stick, he was getting some stick at St. James's Park, and Philip Albert was like six foot seven or eight when he, and Giannino was looking up at him and pointing his finger, and just just it just, it's just an iconic picture from the Premier League, and just, just shows just shows the man, really, because, you know what I mean? I, I remember the game that straight away he wants to get back on the ball, and at the time, Newcastle were head and shoulders above Middlesbrough, you know what I mean? The players that they had under Keegan, so they were. They were far superior than what Middlesbrough could ever imagine, and wherever, wherever they wanted to be. But Middlesbrough had the best player in the world at the time because he was—he was that good. He was yeah. that good.
0: Hundred percent. Um. So, when your where did you, how did your first chance uh, sort of uh, with academy football come about? Where were you sort of scouted, or how did your opportunity finally come?
3: Yeah. So I never, I never went to an academy. Um... I was at Middlesbrough School of Excellence for a bit and again got told I was too small. Um, and that I could come and play f- I could come and train and do all the training but I wouldn't be able to play for them because I was too small. Um, and I remember On that on, to- on that
1: cops, how disres how disrespectful is that? <laughs> like looking back looking back now at the time obviously you'd have been heartbroken and, and gutted because you wanted to play for that football club. I'm guessing being the Middles- a Middlesbrough fan. But looking back now though, and, and some of the players that you've seen played with, played against, size is just
3: Irrelevant, maybe. Well, again, ironically, I I played Middlesbrough in the Youth Cup at the Riverside and we beat them 5-0 and I played for Newcastle and I scored. um, And I've never been so motivated to play in a match in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I always had it with Middlesbrough. I don't know why. Again, sort of, I went to Blackpool, played Blackpool for Middlesbrough and I stood on the sideline and um, I said to my dad, look, I'm not doing that again. Like, it never came on. And my dad went to see the coach and said, look, um, James won't be coming back to training. And he was like, what do you mean? He says, well, he's not, he's not going to travel and, and not play. He wants to play. And this guy couldn't believe that I'd say that. He was like, well, people would give the right arm to come and be involved with Middlesbrough. And he was like, well, J- James doesn't want to do it. And my dad never pushed me or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so I, I played for Martin Juniors all the way up to 15. Uh, we were the best team in the area. We won everything. And we went on trips to Southport. We went all over. We were absolutely top draw. Loved every minute of it. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm still playing today. Like, I, I've always been involved in a team, a team sort of ethic. Um, I think when you're at an academy, it, it's, it's, you're in it for yourself. It's every man for themself. You, you, you're trying to get that contract every single year um, for yourself. Whereas for me, I've always been a team player. I've always been that person that wants to, ins- not inspire, but wants to affect the group, wants to help the group. Um, I've been at Don- I was at Martin for eight years and I've been at Doncaster for 17 years. Um, I almost like that sort of, um, that fit. Um, so the last year, Martin, all my team went to School of excellences: Man United, Middlesbrough, Nottingham Forest, Newcastle, Sunderland, And I didn't. I went and played with my my mates in uh, Woodgarth in a League Two team. Um, So at 16, I was playing Sunday League for Woodgarth, and uh, we played Darlington, and I scored a hat trick. Darlington Spray lads, I scored a hat trick, and the Darlington scout was there, and he he offered me a trial. I went on trial, and they offered me a two-year YTS at Darlington, um, which I reluctantly snapped up. I mean. I never wanted to be a professional footballer. I never had any aspirations to be a professional footballer, but um, I enjoyed
1: playing football, so I thought, you know what, I'll give it a try. Um, well, one thing I will say, Cops, about, um, and and people who don't know, by the way, uh, Martin Juniors are, um, oh, in, I, I'd say probably in, certainly in the north, if not country-wise, they're one of the fam- most famous uh, junior football teams around because they've had they um, have had so many players who've, who've who've come through to be a professional footballer. It's it's absolutely scary, you know what I mean? James played a couple of years younger than than I did. I played for them for um oh, for probably about ten years. Ben Gibson played for them. Um, oh this there, it's it's endless to do a to do an advert on social media and, and it and um and it shows all the players and who they played for. Stewie Downing. Um, and it's just it's it's the amount of players. They should be so 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 proud of themselves for for the kind of talent that they brought through because it it just started off with. With one team, you know what I mean. There it was um, it's um, Gary Sykes, obviously him and his dad Keith started it out, and uh, and it's just amazing for where it is now. You know, I, I I coach there as well to try and give something back, and it's just it's just a, a lovely, lovely place to for your children to go and play. And it's a, it's an, it's I, I had to give something back because they, they give so much to me. It's just an amazing place to platform my football. Yeah, I, I loved it. I loved it. Um, you mentioned there, James, about, about Darlington. So, obviously, um, you ended up going to Darlington. So, how important was um, learning your trade, so to speak, um, at a professional football club and uh, and for your part of your football development?
3: Yeah, I think for the first time ever, I was travelling in from Gisborough. Um, um, my best mate who I'd grown up with, Mark Robinson, who, who you know, um, he, he started out at Hartlepool. And my cousin, who played in the St Martin team, he started out at Middlesbrough so between the three of us we were all starting out our journeys in professional football and we would all travel in on the bus so we'd all get the bus from Gisborough to Middlesbrough Um, Greg would go to to Middlesbrough, Mark would go to Hartlepool and I'd get the train to Darlington so we'd run from the bus station to the train station, we'd get the train to Darlow, I'd run from Darlington train station to Feethams, and then I'd start sort of doing all the jobs that I do and um, it was a really good grounding. I had an unbelievable youth team manager in Stuart Gibson, um, really before his time, used to sort of give me videos on different things, used to tell me to to keep a book. And this was in 1998, keep a book of all my opponents. Um, and you know what? In that six months, because obviously I went to Newcastle, um, I learned so much with him and just just sort of, it's more life skills as well. You know, mm. I've been, I've been in a bubble. I've been brought up in Gisborough. I'd never really yeah. ventured outside of it. Um, yeah. so for me, it was like, it was really exciting and it was
1: tough, but something that I really enjoyed. Um, you mentioned there, you mentioned, uh, life skills. Um, you mentioned, um, jobs and stuff. So, um, I'm a, I'm a massive advocate for it. Uh, and an advocate for, uh, scholars who, who get paid obviously a little bit more than, than we did when, when we were YDSs. You know what I mean? I, I, uh, I'm, not, I'm open and honest and, uh, and tell everybody that, that I got paid £37.50 for my first year, £42.50 for my second year and I was delighted with that. That £5 pay ride, by the way, made a, made a huge difference. Um, <laughs> but, but doing jobs, mate, I, I, I'm the same as you. I used to get into training at like eight, half past eight and, and make sure my, my pros' boots, kit, everything was set out, you know what I mean, pristine and, and then I would look after myself and then I would uh, get the balls for the first team and then I would train myself and then I would come in, clean up, do other jobs and it was just, it, you know what I mean? I, I learned so much in a short space of time by doing that and and, and, yeah. and everything, everything and the skills that I've got now. You know what I mean? People will say that I don't clean up. I, I do not clean up the wrong house, but <laughs> I learned everything that I got from that time. Yeah,
3: we we were, it was unbelievable. We were painting the painting the ground. We were um, mopping up. We'd have Stuart come down and if there was dust anywhere, we'd do it again. Um, our, our, Players' boots that we had to be. There was no mud allowed on the on the soles of the boots, and there was like crevices and stuff. And he could come check him if there was any bit of mud, he'd throw him, and he'd be starting again. Um, it was it was relentless. But like what you said, it's almost it's standards, isn't it? It's mm. it's setting them
1: standards every single day in so many different ways. Um, Bear in mind, Pe- people might see this and listen to this and think and think this is this is the bullying. And I don't see it as that. I see this as is character building, and I see the same same thing. Dave, Doing the to... job
0: properly, isn't it? Well it is. Dave it's Geddes used to, to do the same you to thing too. Do Doing something Geddes...
1: properly. At Essen Park, we had a, a cupboard and it was and it was locked and Dave Geddes had the only key for it. And we did all our jobs. And if one of the jobs wasn't done to the standard that he had at four or five o'clock on a Friday night, Friday afternoon, he would pour the contents of this of this cupboard all over the floor and it would be dirty water from the week before, it would be cleaning products, you know what I mean, which we'd all have to muck in and do it again. But this was character building, it was standards of the highest order, you know what I mean, he had the high standard. he wanted to drill it into us and for me, I saw it as a good thing and 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 for me, and I've said it on here and I've said it before and I'll say it again, that was the happiest time in my football life and if I could go back to any time in my football life, it would go back to them because we had a laugh, we enjoyed football, life wasn't as complicated as it is <laughs> currently so it was it was all fun and all
3: good I think I think you create characters don't you I think yeah. if it's done in the right way and, and listen there was things that that stepped over the mark back then there was things that happened that that don't happen now um for the right reasons but at the same time you can't take it all you have to take bits out of it and go that actually was really good for us and that was mm. really good for us as well um mm. and a lot of it is data standards it is about um, understanding that you have got a responsibility not just on the pitch. You have to set standards yeah. off the pitch, be on time, discipline, all these things that, that fall into being a professional footballer. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's huge. Um, but when I went to Newcastle, so I was 17, I got moved to Newcastle and then none of them did jobs when I went to Newcastle. So I'm at a League Two club, I go to a Premier League club and they're all sort of swanning about doing nothing. Um, so it was a total different mindset. Um, from where I where I was to where I went and yeah, I definitely think that um, that did stand me in good stead though. So, how
1: did you transition find the tra- like?
3: Yeah, I was just about to ask Sorry the same me. question.
1: So you just well, said well,
3: that I,
0: transition. Like,
3: yeah, yeah I, what happened was I went on an England trial while I was playing for uh, Darlington. and I was doing really well. England wanted me to go there. Um, I went to Lillyshaw and I roomed with Paul Koncheski who has had a fantastic career, obviously went yeah. to Liverpool, Charlton, and, um, Proper uh, cockney lad, um, and me from Gisborough, not wanting to say hello to anybody. Really, sort of timid. Um, I went there and the first, first, first day. I almost got sort of cast aside. It was like the lads that are going to be in the team will play against the academies. The other lads will play against themselves. Um, so I ended up playing in this this other game. I scored a hat trick and was was unbelievable. So then they ended up picking me, um, and I ended up going to Poland. So I ended up representing my country, going to Warsaw while I was playing for Darlington. Um, so Newcastle obviously found this out, played against Newcastle a few times. And I remember one of the, the first team pros must have got wind of me, maybe his move into Newcastle. And he, he said it to me and, and I was like, he must be winding me up here. Um, so I never thought anything of it. It was Brian Atkinson actually who I did his boots. And then David Hodgson, the manager, called me into his office and I was going up there. I remember we had porter cabins, and I was walking up the stairs, thinking, "Oh my god, what have I done here?" Like I'm, I am can not have painted the dressing rooms properly, or because <laughs> um, he was quite strict. So I got in yes. his, office and, Hodge, like, yeah, yeah. Got in his
1: office, and he was like, Hodgie is strict." Yeah, yeah. He got in his
3: office, and he was like, "Your dad's, your dad's coming up," and I was like, "Oh my god."
2: He was like, "He's bringing,
3: <laughs> he's bringing your suit, and you're going up to Newcastle to, to sign for Newcastle." This was deadline day, and I was 17, and I was like. <laughs> What? And he went, he's coming up, he's picking you up now and you're driving up, um, you and Robbo, Paul Robinson are going to sign for Newcastle. Um, So we drove up, deadline day, I signed a contract 20 times worth what I was on. Uh, My mum and dad couldn't believe it, obviously. And yeah, I signed a three-year contract at Newcastle um, on deadline day. One day I was training with the YTs, the next day I was training with Kenny Daglish, Alan Shearer, uh, Stuart Pearce, John Barnes, Ian Rush, all these, Albert, it was unbelievable it was it was something that again i'd never never appreciated at the time and probably sort of
1: never will really i didn't i didn't know uh, robbo was part of the deal i, was, I know robbo really well uh, it was, it was
3: yeah it was 1.8 million for for me and robbo um and yeah i'd never actually played for Darlington's first team so it was like it was unbelievable again it was nike sponsorships thrown at me literally as I walked through the door um it was just, it's a different world, isn't it? Going to a club yeah. like that. So sort of, we yeah. were in the boardroom, we got the lift, the glass lift up to the top of St. James's Park and looked down at the pitch, and it was like, wow, this is yeah. overnight. This is, yeah, exactly overnight. Yeah. And But nothing changed for me off the pitch. So still yeah. had the same mates, still doing the same things. Um, but yeah, so I was how, at a Premier uh, League
1: how, club. How influential then? Because you just mentioned your dad there. So how. How influential was uh, was dad in keeping your feet on the ground and, and advising you and helping you out around that kind of move because it's a obviously you're still a you're still his baby, you know what I mean, you're still a young lad, you know what I mean? You wanna yes, you wanna go and progress and you and and your, and your life's changed overnight playing with these kind of players, but so how in, how influential was family?
3: We I had this conversation with my dad today, um, and not because I'm coming on here, just because I'm doing other things and this is has a huge part in in what I'm trying to do, helping other people. But my dad at the time was going through his own, he just divorced, my mom and dad had divorced, um, and he was going through a lot of sort of things off, out of, in the background. Um, and if, he said to me today, like, I've never, I didn't know what to do for the best. Um, so it's the first time that he'd experienced anything like this. We weren't, we weren't, we didn't have anybody in our circle that had ever experienced anything like this. So he was almost trusting the people who you shouldn't trust, you know, like agents and people within the football club and all the people that really just want to jump on you because you moved to a Premier League club, not because he's yeah. your son.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: so I speak about it all the time, about how important it is to have the right people around you, um, whether it' mentors, agents, family members, people outside of your circle. Um, have
0: you ever uh, had any bad experiences, James, with like agents and stuff? <laughs> um. Yeah, we, all, we, we all point. love. We all We all love.
1: I, yeah. I, I,
3: I, 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 no. I think. I think everybody does get to that point. I think as soon as I signed for Newcastle, I had an agent in me in in my front room, um, and he brought his blonde girlfriend who sat with him, and it was like me. Me and my dad were sat on the sofa thinking, "What is going on here?" Like. <laughs> Like where, what, where do, what do you do? Like, because we didn't know what to do, we genuinely didn't know what to do was like for the best. So, we sort of, again, sort of just, just making the best of it, trying to do what we think's right. Um, mm. But you, le- you live and learn, and that's why, again, I go back to why it's so important that twenty-three years as a professional footballer, almost experiencing everything that there is to
1: experience. That's why I'm mm. so passionate about helping other people. But I think that's key, though, isn't it? You know what I mean? Because you get in the wrong crowd, you listen to the wrong advice, you you go down the wrong avenue. Then all of a sudden, before you know it, your career's finished, and you've got regrets left, right, and centre because you've you've not listened to the people who count. You know what I mean? Your your close friends want the best for you, but the the they won't jeopardise that. You know what I mean? Your family certainly certainly won't do that, and it's it's just it's a testament to you and especially to your family mate that, that how you've become the person you are you know what I mean from the um, obviously from the young lad that, 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 that I always knew and grew up with to still play, new, play now is just, is just absolutely fantastic uh, which is great uh, but on top of that though um, obviously you signed for Newcastle obviously the big transfer fee between the two of you did you ever find out what the transfer fee was though for James Coppinger?
3: <laughs> yeah, I was the 1.7, and Robbo was the 100. You were you were the 1.79. You
1: were the 1.79. 1. He was nothing. Tell you, yeah. yeah no he'll Robbo he'll like tell him. you. He'll, he'll tell you the opposite. Yeah. Robbo'll tell um, you. Robbo'll tell you 2.5 mil. No.
3: Yeah, <laughs> he was honestly. He was he was a one off. Um, yeah, he was lovely, lo- lovely lad. Yeah. absolutely. If, if I've never met anybody with who was so self assured and confident in himself, he was the he was yeah. the opposite of me at the time. um but deep down, he was a lovely lad, and yeah, it was. A... Yeah, it was. It was a big step for both of us. You know what? We we both went on and, and played for Newcastle, although it'd be very brief. Um, but again, did you feel I'd, the pressure, um...
1: though, Cops? Did you feel the pressure of a transfer fee?
3: I didn't. I didn't feel the pressure of anything. I was just playing football. I said this again uh, recently, that in an article for the Chronicle, that the four years I was at Newcastle, I never once believed I should have been there. I always questioned in myself why, sort of, why these people um sort of why am i signing does that make sense
1: yeah yeah, yeah no, I, to- I i totally agree and i think and i think
3: like I it think was almost so, yeah. like it was like why why have i been chosen like yeah. why the cho- why have they chose me like i was playing with players that were were as good as me so for four years i was constantly battling against myself um, mm. But you do though You like, doubt yourself
1: though Don't you Because I said uh, I've said the same thing And I said it uh, On on uh, Was it Friday's show You know what I mean I I, I was probably in the top uh, The bottom two Of ability wise In my youth team You know what I mean I had some like Anthony Swalwell um, Paul Connor You know what I mean These kind of players are, They were far greater than me As in ability wise But I had things My attributes My pace My attitude My desire Things that nobody else had and I wanted to be a professional footballer more than do the other nine you know what I mean that's how much I wanted to do I wanted to play for my club I wanted to play in the Premier League I wanted to play at Aceison Park didn't get the opportunity because of transition of a of a ground but that was just circumstances but when the, when they moved to the riverside I wanted to do that and I made sure that I'd, I'd walk over my own family members to do it in, in a certain way you know yeah. I was just I was so determined to do it and that's the same thing with what you've just said there you know that you but then you doubt yourself because you doubt yourself because it's just a natural thing to do because you, you you doubt yourself after a bad performance after a good performance was it good enough wasn't it you spend a lot of time doubting yourself as a professional footballer
3: I think I think you do and again I go back to why I'm I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm huge on mental performance and it changed my life and my career changing my outlook and back then at Newcastle I had none of it so I was literally turning up to training playing football which I loved and going home and playing with my mates and just eating the wrong things and doing the wrong things. I never had any professionalism. I had never had any sort of... I wasn't a strong enough character. And I look at Gary Colwell, Stevie Colwell, Aaron Hughes, all played for their countries, all had Premier League careers. Um, and I, I wanted to be them. So I wanted to work harder in the gym. I wanted to do more. But my I, could, I, I never allowed myself to do that because I was too scared of all the people that were going, look at that, that busy whatever and look at that lad and look at like I can't believe he's doing that who does he think he is like I didn't I wasn't strong enough within myself to do to make them conscious decisions so again when things changed for me at 21 when I started changing my thinking and developing sort of what I call a, a professional mindset like that allowed me to gain that confidence and that belief and that understanding of what it actually is um but at the time I had none of it
1: so on on that then. So obviously we'll go go full circle because it just it just seems like a perfect opportunity to not mention it. Um, you obviously started a company um, which obviously f- um, focuses on and co- is called Pro Mindset. So tell people what it is. Tell people what's involved in it and and how it helps other people as well as yourself. Yeah, it it it's basically
3: based around developing a, a professional mindset. For me, like I just said, there in my four years at Newcastle, I never had any understanding of, uh, what it was. I couldn't, I didn't really think about sort of, um, what was going on. It was, it was, it was, it was almost like, um, a realization that that I was in control. I talk about, um, how you think dictates how you feel, how you feel dictates how you act and how you act determines your results. Um, and then when I, when I realized that and analyzed everything that had happened to me before, um, it was unbelievable. Um, so I just started to change my thinking, start to develop different things, started to work with a mentor, started to work with different people. Um, like subsequently, I've gone on to, to play over six hundred and fifty games, three promotions, cup finals, play at Wembley. But I've also done different things off the pitch as well. Um, so it, it's about trying to help and and make people aware of what it is, and, and we're doing it every day. You know, you make decisions on how you feel every single day. And it's all about how to. It's all about understanding how to control your thinking to get the best best possible result. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, cool. Hundred oh, percent. And I think it's key though because you you mentioned there that it wasn't available for you at Newcastle, and that's one of the biggest clubs at the country at the time. You know, what I mean, there wasn't anything like that at Middlesbrough. It was more, you know, what I mean, it was more that you, you you kept things to yourself. You were scared to talk to people about how you were feeling and um, what was going on. If that was good or bad, you know, the they're, they're similar to you that. Um, I remember that my mum and dad uh, got divorced, uh, and I was I was seventeen, and I was I was going into training the next day, uh, and you know what I mean. So I was going through a lot, and you know what I mean. It was it was it was. Do you speak to somebody? Do you not speak to somebody? Do you um do you show your your weakness, so to speak? Because it that's what it felt like back then. It, it felt like a weakness, you know what I mean. Where now there's a lot of people who you can talk to about various things who've been through that kind of experience and and can help you and guide you along the way.
3: Yeah, but it's not it's not just about that as well. I, I, like mental health and different things like that. Um it's more about understanding how you can develop resilience, um how you can develop sort of leadership, how you can develop um professionalism, all these things. Like for me personally, I struggled to perform on a Saturday um until I understood that you had two there's two parts of your mind, one was conscious and one's unconscious. Um and that I started to get into an unconscious state every single I play every time every single time I played a game. Um, but before before that, I was conscious. So I'd go on the pitch and I'd be affected by the fans. I'd be affected by my teammates. I'd be affected by anybody that said anything to me. Um, but what I ended up doing is trusting myself, trusting the things that I've been doing since I was eight years old on the football pitch. I've scored goals. I scored a hat trick in the playoff semifinal. I can't even remember scoring it. Um, and that's what I'm saying. It's almost like strategies and tools and different things that you can teach yourself to improve your performance. It's not just about sort of having things going on in the background. Um, it's about what you choose to do to improve your performance. And, and I think if you think about it, it's so difficult as a 16-year-old leaving school, being thrust into the real wide world and also been thrust into the football environment. It's a double whammy for me. It's like, go on then, sink or swim. Because I don't feel like players... And young kids get enough support, it's not it they should they should I was be given going to ask
0: that. Like um just sorry to interrupt you, James, I was just gonna ask you no, uh, right. I was gonna ask you both really about um like don't most clubs have sports psychologists who would do this, like that sort of thing, or is that not like a, uh something which every club would have maybe it would only be the top clubs I, i'm not yeah
3: no no you you're right i've been speaking to a lot of clubs throughout the summer um premier league clubs mm. uh, league 1 league 2 clubs and the lfe the league football education yeah. um about what i'm doing with pro mindset and a lot of them are doing it a lot of them aren't doing it a lot of them sort of tick boxes um yeah. and for me i won't name the club but it's at the forefront of everything that they do. One of the most successful clubs in the country, mental performance and this sort of thing is at the forefront of everything that they do. And I was like, Hallelujah! Like mm. that is like music to my ears because it should yeah. be. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that they're the best club in the world, or they're the best club in Europe, or they're the best club um, in the country because. So it's Cardiff. <laughs> uh, I knew that was coming. Um, <laughs> Thing is, you're setting up for him. You're setting up. I, still know, easy. I, I know. Setting yeah. up. Um, but but it just amazes me that I think in the next five ten years, sort of this will become apparent. But what what yeah. what what is really difficult um, is because mental performance and anything around psychology and mindset, you can't actually see it, so you can't measure it, and people find it so difficult to understand what it is and what it looks like. Um, and that's the problem that you have is nobody wants to or nobody understands what it is. You know, if you go in the gym and you want to get bigger, you, you can see yourself getting bigger. If you want to go work on crossing or shooting or heading, you can actually see yourself getting better. You can actually see it. But to work on your mind, um, you can't actually see it. So in my opinion, my job, once I finish football, um, developing this is getting it across in the right way so that people understand how important it is day to day you know how you can change your thinking day to day not just when something yeah. goes wrong but how you can affect yourself every single day you've got 16 to 18 months as a young kid to prove that you can get a professional contract so why not give yourself the best opportunity by working on your mental sort of performance your mental yeah. toughness your resilience yeah. i hear it constantly from coaches and managers it's the biggest component that people talk about is mentality um but nobody knows what it is. Nobody knows how to work on it. And I'm I'm almost saying, look, this is how you can do it. Um, so I've had a really good response and I'm working with clubs and players and it, it's been really, really eye-opening. Yeah. So when,
0: when you guys were playing, sorry, quick, very quick. No, when you guys were younger players, like sort of starting out your career, like and James, you said, like you struggled with kind of believing in yourself. Um, what sort of support, was there for you guys it, it, from that point of view from a mental health point of view from a you know just a mental helping you with your mentality and it, was it literally just the coaches who would have been available for you at that time or was there other sort of support staff who would have been nothing, there Nothing no you? nothing
3: again i had this that's conversation a
0: problem, it, for academy black like young players well, i think that's a real problem but no, I wouldn't say nobody cares. It, it's
3: it's a cutthroat industry, and you mm. have to work it out yourself. It's sink or mm. swim, literally. And the amount of players that I've I've seen with more ability than me, Andy'll tell you, more ability than him, that have fall by on the wayside because they can't handle disappointment, they can't yeah. handle setbacks, they can't handle being told they're not good enough, they can't mm. handle. Do you know what I mean? It, it just it it it's sad, um, and that's what I want to try and help with. Um, mm. But at the same time, I never struggled. With, I never struggled with self-belief. I struggled with confidence. So I've always believed in myself. I've always believed that I'm as good as any single player that I play on the pitch with. But I never pushed myself forward. Um, whenever I went on trial, I'd sit in the background. Um, I never had the confidence to put myself forward in in a position. Probably fear of failure, really.
1: Yeah, interesting that uh, we were. I was quite um, lucky to get a small insight in it before I left for Cardiff. But. Um, when Steve McLaren came into Middlesbrough, we brought in, or he brought in, um, Bill Bezek, uh, and obviously Bill was a, uh, a psychologist, and, 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 and has done really well within within the sport and industry. And um, I don't think, well, I'll be honest, I, I didn't take it as seriously as I should have taken it. Uh, you know, as, you, as a young lad, you just think that someone's talking to you about um, red lights and green lights and, and, and things, <laughs> and, you, and you and you don't take it as seriously as you do. You know, that, that, that was my response. That you know, what I mean, stay in the red. i stay in the green. Don't go in the red. And you're just thinking. It's a bit of a game show or a bit of a statement and when you're left and you left and you and you go down the pub and you and you talk about his lads you start to take the mick out of him and, and and straight away all the good work which has just been done has just been undone straight away and I, you know what I mean it's only when you get a little bit older and you and you think of times that you that you probably could have used that kind of focus you know what I mean that you you didn't take it seriously so you lost the, the kind of knowledge and understanding of um, of what you needed but you know I, I think there's a lot more uh, you know what I mean thanks to obviously the work that you're doing um, I, I do think the PFA could be uh, a little bit um, uh, better. better and uh, probably um, probably involve themselves more on the day to day basis, going into clubs, helping people out, being a being a person to talk to before it's too late. You know that we've obviously on the show. You know what I mean? Obviously, I lost a good friend of mine this year, uh, ex teammate of mine, and you know that I, I just think if people knew what was happening or there was someone there to talk to and we're now in 2020, you know, that the, 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 these, these things do happen but they, should, they shouldn't happen as much and, you know what I mean, if we can just reach out and help uh, one person, two people, ten people, you know what I mean, then then, then these, these people are going to be in a better mindset and a better position to move forward in life, not just in football because it's current football, ex-footballers, footballers who've who, being in the game and not in the game or wanting to be in the game and who aren't in the game and you know what I mean like James just said there it's a cutthroat industry it can be or is the best job place in the world but you tell me three days later I'll tell you it's the worst worst place in the world or it's the worst job in the world because it's that different and that's after a, a good game bad game indifferent argument with a manager with a player with a fan you know what I mean listen to the radio read a newspaper there's various things that can put you in that, into that mindset and in, in that kind of mood so to speak
3: but it should, but it should become the norm. That's what I'm saying. Like when when you talk about Bill Bezek and people, it wasn't—I um, hate using this word—but it wasn't cool to to do that. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't current. Like people would be like, Andy Campbell's doing this. <laughs> what an absolute idiot! Or yeah. why is he struggling? Yeah. <laughs> you, don't yeah. do to, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it just because you're struggling. Yeah. Like if I say to you, personal development, I call it, and I I always go back to, I want to be the best person that I can be. I want to be yeah. the best footballer. I want to be the best husband, the best father, whatever it is. And it might sound over the top of it, and to a lot of people it is, but that's just the way I am. So how yeah. can I be that? How can I be that person? And I've, I've almost gone out and found ways of doing it, um, but it should become the norm. It should be, we don't even have to talk about it because everybody's yeah. doing it, but people yeah, yeah. are doing it. This is what amazes me. Like you go out of the football industry and you go into different industries, business, for example, and people are doing it. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's everybody's working on themselves. Everybody's working on personal development, um, self development. Um, it's just, I think, football is a little bit behind. But I genuinely think it will get there.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Totally
3: agree
0: it's behind
1: um, the other sports as well, isn't it? No, yeah, no, I agree. I agree totally. Um, obviously, losing losing a bit of time, so we're gonna we're gonna go gonna go back a little bit. Um, you mentioned uh, a hat trick in a in a playoff semi final. That was against Southend. You know what I mean? I've been doing my research. Um, some of your highlights, uh, 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 Donny, by the way, are uh, just out of this world. Unbelievable. Your first goal against Bristol City, your hat-trick against Southend United. Obviously, the playoff off final uh, against Leeds United at Wembley, which we will touch on that in a minute, which is an unbelievable occasion, game, result. Um, promotions, obviously, one in particular, which um, obviously we had Rob Jones on the, uh, on the show on Friday. Uh, and obviously, you know what I mean, there's the iconic and f- famous um, game at Brentford, which, you know what I mean, famous for him. Um, being a um a centre half, being involved within the penalty and 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 saying various things to the lad to get the penalty away, but then it obviously <laughs> had a, a bigger bigger impact on on you as a on you as a player and you as a lad. And the games that you've played, the recognition um, that you've had from fans, peers, managers, you know what I mean. I, I read I read something that you've that you've played with something like two hundred and fifty plus players at at Doncaster. That's just yeah. it's out it's outrageous. It's absolutely <laughs> outrageous. And you were one of them. <laughs> I was one of them. I was one of them. But it's outrageous. It's outrageous. But it's just it's it's just, it's just ridiculous. But um, let's go through the highlights then. So, do you remember much about your about your first ever goal against Bristol City?
3: Yeah, it came, it came after, obviously, I struggled to score um, for a while. Hence what I've been I did, talking I did read about. that. I did read that. Yeah. But I didn't want to wear it. <laughs> 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 no, again, it comes down to what I was talking about. So, I was struggled. I was the best player in training by a country mile every single day. And then come to a Saturday... I had sort of, I wouldn't say performance anxiety, but I was struggling to perform for so many different reasons. And then so of started working on different things, um, scored against Man City in um, the Carlin Cup when we beat Man City on penalties against David James. And then I think it was the, the game after that that I scored against Bristol City, a header. Um, and yeah, it was a massive relief. Heder, but, header header, yeah. for a small,
1: for a small gl- gl- man as well. That's, gl-
3: glancing header, I've scored a few <laughs> headers. To for, I don't know how. Um, but yeah, it was it was it, again it was um, a weight off my shoulders and
1: um, something that I do remember. That's one question I was going to ask you. Know what I mean after after going a, a period of time without a goal and and you're doing well in training and but it's just not working out in games or you're not getting that break. How 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 much relief did you feel after after that kind of moment?
3: Yeah, and I watched it back the other day actually. I, they do have footage of it back then, um, <laughs> in black and white. But, um, I was just about to say that, but then yeah. I, I'm killing myself then. Aren't I? Yeah, but um, yeah, every you could see everybody ran over to me and celebrated, and it was like you could see the relief in everybody else, not just me. Um, so it was it was it was a great weight off my shoulders. Um, but I'm not a goal scorer, I've never have been prolific, I never, I never get. I do get satisfaction out of scoring goals. Don't get me wrong, um, but I get just as much satisfaction out of out of setting goals up and being that person that that plays my role within the team. I know I've talked about it before, but
1: um, but it was good for me to to to, to score that goal. So on that on that on that then on that comment. So you you mentioned earlier on about 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 the ten role, and you don't, don't see yourself as a as a forward. So what do you? What's your favourite position and what kind of player do you see yourself as or or have been or have you adapted your role a little bit over the years? Yeah,
3: definitely. I was a, a right winger when I was at Martin, so I was an up-and-down winger. Um, then played front for Darlington, England, Newcastle, made my Premier League debut up front with Alan Shearer. Um, and then when I left Newcastle, I played, I went to Harlepool twice on loan, played in midfield, then played on the wing for Exeter, played up front for Exeter And then things started to change within football. It wasn't like a 4-4-2. We started to play like uh, a diamond. I was number 10. Then I played um, the right of a a 4-3-3, left of a 4-3-3. Now I've been playing sort of in the 4-2-3-1, playing in behind the the nine. Um, So there's so many different variations, but I almost, and managers have given me the opportunity to sort of, make the role myself. You know, mm. if we do play with too with wide, I come in from the line. Um, I do mix it up. I have that sort of variation to my game. But for me personally, I think as, as, as a player, you have to be able to adapt. Adaptability is one of the biggest things. You can't right. pigeon. I don't think you can pigeonhole yourself into one position nowadays, um, especially in my sort of position, you know, as a, as a front man, it's like, can you play in this? Can you play in that? Gone are the days when you're a winger and you just run up and down.
1: Um, it's just changed totally. So you mentioned there about managers. So which I, I won't I won't put you on the spot and say which is the best and the worst. But which managers <laughs> given you? Which managers given you the most freedom to excel your talent? Um, Sean O'Driscoll at the
3: time at, at Doncaster. We obviously won at Wembley. We won at the Millennium Stadium. Um, we had three seasons in the Championship, um, highest the club's ever finished for, well almost ever, and he was unbelievable. For me personally structure which i like um darren ferguson unbelievable for me played me in a number 10 um built everybody sort of not built, built the team around me but i was a huge focal point in was getting promoted after getting relegated got in team of the season um, uh, player of the season and it, i'd say that was down to him um the what's, way he played so, me what's
0: darren ferguson like if you don't mind me asking james I've, uh, it, he's got a really good record you know a sort of championship league one He's got a good reputation mm-hmm. as well. Got good yeah. reputation I, I as well. love him. I love him. I think he's he's absolutely
3: top draw. Um, a little bit diff, difficult time at Doncaster because we got relegated the first season. He came in sort of nine, ten games in. Almost walked into a, not a losing mentality, but a different difficult situation with the club in transition. Um, got us promoted first time of asking. Um, I would have liked him to stay, but at the same time, it is what it is. Keep keeping contact with him. Always asks how I'm doing every time I speak to him. He's 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 one of the best I've worked with, if I'm being
0: honest. There's a question and a half. Uh, Craig Sullivan says, "Which stadium is the best, Wembley or the Millennium Stadium?"
1: <laughs> it's a good question.
0: <laughs> I like a good um, question. <laughs>
3: for me, for me, it's Wembley, just because of how iconic it is. I went to watch Middlesbrough play. In the Zenith Data Systems Cup In, final,
1: yeah, I was cried that day against, against Chelsea, Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, and then I watched them the
3: get
0: day. beat, get beat, beat for a while, <laughs> get you know beat what, against
1: do, Chelsea. Do you know what? Tony Dorigo, I used to love Tony Dorigo, right? But from <laughs> that day, that day alone, I can't stand the fella, <laughs> <I>
3: stand <laughs> yeah. And then I watched watch them get beat against Leicester at Wembley, get beat against yeah. Chelsea at Wembley. Um, yeah. I watched Newcastle get beat against Man United at Wembley. Um, and then I went let's, and won let's, at Wembley. let's
1: let's let's stop there. Do, do you think it's the club's fault? Or do you think it's you?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely me. Um, but for me, Wembley, like Millennium Stadium, was the first time I'd experienced anything like that, and it gave me the taste, you know, the season after we went to Wembley, beat Leeds, and for Doncaster Rovers to beat Leeds uh united at wembley wow it was it was unreal it was almost written in the stars i think what
1: was what was the atmosphere like Cause I, I watched that game uh and you know what i mean i was i was i was i was intrigued to watch it cuz i knew quite a lot of players on both sides of the pitch and uh and it just looked you know what i mean it, it looked like everything was against you you know what i mean that everyone expected leeds to win There were the bigger club there was there was. i think they just turned up i'm not, i'm not saying you you fully deserve to win the game on, on the day you know what i mean but they, they just I don't know. There was something about it where just every every the whole world just expected Leeds to win that playoff final.
3: Yeah, yeah and they did. They turned up. We went to look around the ground before um, the day before, and we 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 were supposed to go after Leeds, and we bumped into each other. And as we were walking around the ground, they were laughing and joking. They were taking videos of everything, and it was like you know, it was almost we had a feel as a as a group of players that they they think they've won this, yeah. um, and it was almost as a, as a group we had a real good togetherness and a real good bond. We missed out on the last day of the season. In getting promoted, we, we should have beat Cheltenham and we got beat and we went into the playoffs. We obviously beat South End and then I almost felt like we were gonna win. You know, as been underdogs it was like they think they've won
1: and yeah. we we I think we've got this. And yeah, I think we we deserve to win on the day as well. Yeah. So what what was it like then? So obviously it's something that, that that I'd always dreamed of as a as a boy who was playing at Wembley, you know, there was a, a few disappointments in my in my career that I didn't get an opportunity to do it, but Walking up the Wembley steps, you know what I mean. is something which, oh, is wow. just, you know what I mean. It's just something that, that, that it's it's that dream, isn't it? You know what I mean. I, that I was brought up on a and uh, with the FA Cup, you know what I mean. The, the FA Cup was is a big part of my life as a fan, as a player. Still now, love it. You know what I mean. But what was it like to to to, to do all that?
3: I think I think seventy, eighty thousand people there. Sort of the atmosphere, the expectation, the whole sort of day. My 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 family there. Um again, like you said, it's something growing up, sort of watching cup finals there, seeing, seeing teams uh, walk out and you, you're doing it yourself. I, I genuinely don't think you appreciate it at the time, especially I didn't. Um, looking back, watching sort of the videos of us walking up, getting the trophy, uh, walking out the tunnel before the game, I was so privileged to actually start the game and be involved to the point where... You walk away as a winner. I think a lot of people that play at Wembley and get beat, it's just not the same.
1: Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. And I don't think you, I don't think you, you, you realize how how much of an impact you've made on a uh, on a on a, an occasion, on a club, on a day um, until you look back. I think you know, what I mean, you'll probably you'll probably look back in five years' time and and, and look at it, look back at it all and go, wow, you know, what I mean, everything I've achieved, which is just amazing. You know what I mean, promotions, goals, this that, and it's just. You know, I mean, I, I find it that yeah, that I probably didn't realise half the things that I did um, were as good as what they are until you probably retire or people tell you or other people tell you or people's people's tell you. And you know, what I mean, it's just amazing. It's just it is just uh, the best thing in the world. But obviously, we I, I mentioned earlier on that we had uh, obviously Rob Jones was on the show on Friday and we had a good chat about um, we, had, we had a good chat about various players and you, you mentioned one of them. You mentioned uh, Billy Sharp. Um, you know, what I mean, he, he, and he mentioned uh, obviously David Cottrell. So. You know what I mean? As a, as a football club, you've got Billy Sharp, you've got yourself, you've got DC, you've got people who... How, how can you how can you not achieve success when you've got those kind of players? You're not <laughs> ripping crosses in, attacking, scoring goals. It's just, it must be a dream and how that club's evolved over the years since you've been there to see those kind of players mingling in at the same time.
3: Yeah, and we weren't... We weren't... Performance-wise, we were terrible. Um, we got beat 4-0 at MK Dons that season and, and I'm not even lying to you. I walked off that pitch thinking... I don't want to play football ever again. It was the worst performance I've ever seen. But we had a group of players that knew how to win football matches. And when I see people talking about um different things about performances, about this that and the other. It was like we went on we had a we had, a, we had 11 11 leaders, we had 11 winners in that team. Um you go through the team and every single one of them has gone on or had a good career. Um and I think we knew that, you know, to actually win the league above Bournemouth that season um, was unbelievable after getting relegated, obviously, the season before. Um, to bounce back at the first time of asking um, in the magnitude of, obviously, the Brentford
1: game was just, was unbelievable. I so see. You, you, you mentioned that then. So, obviously, um, Rob was telling us and, and and you'll probably write me if I'm wrong here, but I think in 90 minutes you were, you were, you were promoted um, in second place behind Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, and then Obviously, a minute later, potentially you're going to be in the playoffs, which was going to be an absolute nightmare. And then, a few minutes later on, you won the league, which was just, <laughs> which was just, you know what I mean? You could, you can't write things like that, can you? But like Rob, Rob talked us through it from from his point of view, and and obviously told us that he give, um, he give, uh, he give him, he gave him an evil stare. He said he, he said, oh, he, he, said he said some not very nice things, which out of frustration, which you know we've all been there, we've done, and but. How how did you see it all? Because he he told us a story about Billy Painter as well. That like Billy was Billy was that gutted and devastated. He was sat on the bench. So <laughs> yeah, he, was, of, sat, he yeah. was sat
3: by the bench. Yeah. So, but he was
1: obviously the one who set your goal up.
3: Yeah, yeah. The ball broke to him. Um, he was just sat on the sideline praying so that the talk they'd
1: us t- talk us to the event and talk us to in, in your opinion how 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 the the, the, the last few minutes unfolded. Um.
3: Yeah, it was like like Rob said. It was we we all we had to do was draw the game, which I think is always a tricky position to be. we we managed the game really well. Um, we got right down to the ninetieth minute, and Jamie McCoom kick almost kicked somebody's head off, and they got a penalty. Um, I'm stood in the halfway line, thinking I can't believe we've got another three weeks of this. Um, travelling up and down from Middlesbrough in the Kia. We we all drove up together. Um, like I honestly, the things that go out go through your head in the in the space of sort of 10, 20 seconds is unbelievable. Um, Neil Sullivan was in goal at the time and well, did I fancy him? I just fancied this lad. I know there was some argy-bargy. the guy, the guy that was taking the penalty shouldn't have took the penalty. Um, he smashed it against the bar. All hell's broke loose, and the ball's sort of. I'm, I'm looking at the ball. The ball's kicked. I've turned my, turn my back, thinking it's gone out for a throw-in, and Billy Payne has come on the pitch from nowhere. Um, so I've just turned around and seen every single one of their players just fell to the floor, apart from one of their lads who, I know I'm not quick, but he was slow. So <laughs> I know there's, there's a chance I can get it. I can get into the box here. So I just ran, You see me on the, on the video, just running the full length of the pitch, hoping that. That Billy had square it to me, and ironically, again, sort of me and Billy have, have constantly falling out of the training ground because he never, never squares the ball. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm running, thinking, "There's no way he's squaring this." Um, he runs, squares it, and I score, and then we go up as champions. And it's absolutely, again, you couldn't write it. It's, no, no, it no. was one of the best ends of the season. Um, one thing ever. I did
1: ask. One, one thing I did. I did ask Rob, but you'll probably have a um, a better insight to it that that I said to him. Was he surprised that? Um, the amount of or the lack of defending by by Brentford at that moment in time, you know that 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 sent everybody forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. How did how did you feel about? Yeah, that? no,
3: no, definitely. And and again, I think it was just we talk about sort of their thinking. They, they you don't think you're gonna you're gonna miss, do you? They're 100 percent thinking they're up. You know, yeah, all, well, he's I, do, said, all he's got to do got to is to Rob, stick it in the back of the net.
1: Yeah. Well, I said to Rob, I thought, are they are they all going forward in? Uh, in the expectation of he's scoring, we're all celebrating because we won the yeah. league. Or we're doing you know, 100%. That, that kind of mentality. And unfortunately, it's backfired. And instead of still being promoted, you know what I mean, or or, or whatever, you know what I mean. So instead of having a chance to get promoted, to try and go and get another goal, they found themselves in in right in a right mess.
3: I think they knew as well that there was took like like you say I threw my took my shirt off, threw it in the crowd. Um, everything got back to normal, and I didn't have a shirt, so I had to take one of the sub shirts, put it on. I think it was Kyle Bennett; I had Bennett on the back. I literally walk up, walked onto the pitch, and the ref blew for full time. Michael Oliver blew for full
1: time. So, quality. whether they've had enough time or not is, is, another, is another question. Yeah, no quality. That's it's amazing, and, and, and what a career you've had. But obviously, I know we haven't got a long time, but we're gonna we're gonna go into uh, live, questions for which we've got from the live viewers, but. One question I want to I want to finish from us is is what does the future or where does the future lie for James Coppinger? So, are we going to see you one day as a manager, as a coach? Where will where, where we will An see agent. you next when you do finally <laughs> hang those, when you do finally hang the boots up? Because let's be honest, there's, um you're hitting forties, still the over forties is calling. I think, <laughs>
3: <laughs> and I'll definitely be playing over forties. Um,
1: I love playing football,
3: um, so. Although I'll be retiring from professional football, I definitely think that there'll be some sort of somebody somewhere that'll want me um, and that I could sort of keep ticking over and keep sort of enjoying it. I do wake up every morning enjoying it. um, But for now, I don't think I'll I'll, I'll go into management. I don't think I'd be very surprised if I go into coaching, although I take both my kids' teams um, and really, really enjoy it. Um, But I've I've got obviously other things. Kicks Academy sort of... In Redcar in Middlesbrough, yeah. um, hopefully Gisborough soon, Stockton, um, trying to help young kids. Um, tell
1: people, tell people yeah, about that, then, James, because it's right. obviously it's all over social media. If you if you if you look at James on on uh, all platforms, especially LinkedIn, um, I know you took your kids or you went there the other day, didn't you? When, yeah, uh, when you had a had Saturday a weekend off.
3: Or something. Yeah. yeah, my daughter goes in. Um, I just really like the franchise. It's based. There's 40 franchises across the country. Um, it's a family based sort of business and it's it's just about having fun. It's at, at two, they start at two and go to six. And it's just about kids coming, trying to build that environment um where they can learn, they can improve, the parents get involved. It's it's a really good feel and I was absolutely blown away at the weekend because I don't get down that often, but I was blown away by the coaches um and what we we're trying to create and we've created. Um so yeah, red car, Middlesbrough, Gisborough and Stockton hopefully um, soon but I'm really enjoying it um, and and on top of that I've got other things going on business I've been in sort of business for the last 18 months um, with sort of a company that' I, I'm buying businesses and then with pro mindset that I've been going five years with um, sort of helping players um, so there's a lot there's a lot going on and, and that's hence why one of the reasons why I'm going to retire at the end of the season yeah. um, and I'm looking forward to it you know what People talk about how good football is and uh, play for as long as you can. But for me personally, um, I feel like what I'm going to do
1: next is going to be just as enjoyable. Well, I'll finish by saying yeah, absolute credit to, to what, what, you, what you've decided to do, because when it's taken away from me, I think sometimes, you know what I mean? It, it can leave a sour taste, but you're doing it in the right way. You're doing it on your terms. You're doing it at the time when you believe is right for yourself. For your, for your wife, for your family, you know what I mean? And and, it, and you're going to get the send-off uh, that you fully deserve, or I hope you get the send-off that you fully deserve. I fully hope that you, the crowds are back in, and James Coppinger obviously has had a, a testimonial, but you get the send-off like a testimonial in terms of um, acknowledgement from people, because there's not many people who have, who have a, a, a career like you've had, but then spend so much time at one club, you know what I mean, that, that it's few and far between fuel farms right?
3: no I appreciate that and you know what it will be sad Um it's been my life for 17 years and it, it will be a sad day I've been a professional footballer since I left school you know what it feels like Andy to mm.
1: to stop doing it and it's yeah. not something that I'm thinking about right now but it will be a no, sad don't. day when that happens no. <laughs> yeah, no, don't, honestly don't because it's, it's, yeah. it's you know what I mean? You enjoy what, enjoy what you've got, what you're doing, and then because things yeah. are you're a long time retired. There's a, there's a lot going on in your life, which is great. Kids, family, business, yeah. uh, other stuff. But you know what I mean? Enjoy this while it is, because you know what I mean. You you, you got to save every moment, haven't you? And if you can if you can get some su- success at the back of it and finish on a real high, imagine yeah. imagine that, that that ultimate dream,
0: ultimate dream.
3: Yeah. Ultimate no, dream. I appreciate that, and, and I appreciate you having me on, and it's been it's been really enjoyable. I've loved it. Oh, okay,
0: so let's uh, let's finish with a couple of questions from the live chat, which have been stored up. So, uh, first of all, James F wants to know what is James Coppinger's favourite fruit.
3: <laughs> Just a random, random question. <laughs> no, I was speaking to my son about this. Um, a banana. <laughs> Why? Why? As simple as that. Um, potassium. Yeah. Um, I it's big, in, big in
1: sport though, isn't it? It's big in sport. It's, it's well, a, it's... Just,
3: I just, I've always loved banana with everything. Um, I have dry banana, um, carbohydrates. Um, but yeah, I, I am a sort of a big advocate for bananas. I don't know why, and and I don't think my kids are that fond of them, to be honest. Together. So I get them all. <laughs> to, I think it's time you get a
0: banana sponsorship deal. Yes, yeah, so it I, should yeah. be an orange. It should be an orange <laughs> for Team Orange. It should be. I, I, yeah. I, I was expecting that. Uh, James <laughs> Cosley says, one. what was it like playing at Ninian Park as an opposition player?
3: Um, yeah, class. Um, always sort of hostile. Um, it was tough because we played at Ninian Park. Um, when when did the move?
0: Oof. Oof. Top of my head.
1: Um, when did I leave? 2006, 2006, I left. So, yeah, 2007, and seven, eight. Eight, 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 seven, so I played eight,
3: eight, I played at both played at both stadiums and um Craig Bellamy actually we played when he came back um and I think he scored. I, I think he scored against us. Um I might have been a free kick. I
1: think I've seen but that yeah. goal
3: by the way, it was a great goal as well. Yeah, yeah. And obviously it was always tough against Cardiff. Um they had some good players and they're always up there. Um Wits obviously played as well who, who yeah, it was it was sad obviously last year or this year that that, that that happened, but um yeah, it was it was always tough going there and you knew you were in for a in for a fight.
2: Hmm.
3: Yes. You've
1: made loads um, of friends now, by the way, saying all that.
0: Yeah, that's it. She <laughs> um, said, uh, does James have a favourite stadium or ground apart from uh Wembley or the team's home grounds that he's played for?
3: Um we played we played at the Emirates. Against Arsenal in the Carabao Cup a couple of seasons ago, and that was unreal. Um, so sort of the way that 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 ground has been designed and the sort of sort of what it offers, um, it was very much like Wembley and, and the Millennium Stadium in in how big it was, um, and it was it was an unbelievable atmosphere on the night. We got beat one nil, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed playing there.
1: Part of me wanted you to say Feetham's for a little bit there Feetham's
3: Feetums... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Victoria Park as well. That
0: was always uh windy.
1: Yeah, very, very
0: Uh James F says what's your opinions on Sadler's move to Rotherham? Um yeah, it's a little sour taste,
3: obviously been rivals, but um Sad's did unbelievable last year. Uh he was again sort of one of these players that had sort of ummed and hard and sort of huffed and puffed but he he had a real opportunity last year to play consistently well Um, he was playing sort of week in week out and he he took the opportunity he sort of um, I think he ended up our top goal scorer so sort of deserved his move to to a championship club
0: Yes I think so Um, just double checking I think there was a question right at the start which I missed Uh, no they were so yeah, um, James, it's been an absolute pleasure. Mate. Yeah. I really appreciate uh, your Huge. time, and yeah. uh, it's just it's been a very enjoyable show, and mm. uh, the feedback's been good so far. The uh, the audio version will be out tomorrow morning, so keep an eye out for that. Give it a share, guys, as well. If you could uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtubecom nation. Don't forget to check out uh, Black Diamond Sports' new website obviously a global sports agency who represent sports stars around the world. Uh, and we thank them for supporting the show, as well as Bespoke Financial for sponsoring the Andy Campbell football show, as well as the Andy Campbell Championship show, which returns on Friday. It makes its triumphant return as the championship is back. Yeah. So Happy this se- Seven yeah. o'clock Friday. Finally, finally, we will be talking as much championship football as we can in one hour plus Fergie time uh, it's always a good time and, uh, three hours doing, then yeah no no we've been good <laughs> we've been pretty good like, I, I say we've been good my my wife does not agree that we've been good because it started off no. as 45 mm. minutes went to 60 minutes yeah. now we're 60 minutes plus Fergie time not, I'm not <laughs> Bec- I'm, I'm not Becky's favourite person <laughs> I, just, I just say it's Andy's idea it was Andy's idea I didn't want to do a show on a Friday Andy, Andy forced me He said he'd stop doing the shows if we didn't see Friday (laughs) show. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway. Yeah, guys, subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, follow James on Twitter and I like, what is it? It's at Coppinger26, was it? Or 66? Yeah. 26. 26. Top of my head. And uh, at AC Footy Show at AceCast underscore nation. Thank you to everyone who's tuned in. Thank you for all the comments. Thank you, James. Thank you, Andy. It's a pleasure as always. And uh, we'll see you Friday, 7 o'clock. For Cheers, show. Thanks, lads.
1: Cheers. Cheers
2: my mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my auntie Louise told mummy about bespoke financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch, and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if mummy or daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so it wouldn't get taken away. After an hour Darren said goodbye and mummy and daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. to be a hero, a
0: superhero.
2: Right through. It's taken a while, but it's been worth the wait for Carnage City. Sports Social Podcast Network.